0: In 2021, Paytm made history when they launched India's biggest ever IPO, raising 18,300 crore rupees at a valuation of around 20 billion dollars. And there was a lot of excitement as Paytm was following the success of Zomato and Naika's IPOs, which both came close to doubling their investors' money. While talking about Paytm's IPO, Madhur Diora, who is the President and Group CFO of Paytm, said that we could have priced the IPO higher if we wanted to, but we thought that this is the right balance for making sure that the investors who come in the Paytm IPO should be treated very fairly, and this is where we were comfortable. This explanation though, of course, would end up aging like fine milk, and perhaps give some indication of how diluted and out of touch Paytm was with the public's perception of their company. Paytm's stock prices were down 27% on the day that it was listed on Indian stock markets, and at the time of me filming this video, they're down more than 70% from their IPO price of 2,150 2150, less than 6 months since the IPO. From a peak valuation of $20 billion, Paytm is now valued at just $5.8 billion, which makes you wonder, how exactly did this happen? What went so catastrophically wrong with Paytm that it caused investors to lose interest? Well, these are the questions that we're going to be answering in this episode of Backstage with Millionaires, coming up right after this. Unlike Zomato and Naika's IPOs, which were oversubscribed 38x and 82x respectively, Paytm's IPO was barely oversubscribed just 1.89x. And this was the first sign that perhaps Paytm had miscalculated people's level of enthusiasm for the company. India's stock markets were at an all-time high, but despite the bull run, Paytm's IPO was underwhelming. Now, one of the biggest differences between Paytm and other startups, like for example, Zomato and Naika, is growth, and more specifically, the public's belief in future growth. People were excited about Naika's IPO because they believed that Naika would continue to grow. Same thing with Zomato, and in the case of of Zomato specifically, they were a loss making company, same as Paytm. The difference, though, was Paytm's perceived growth prospects and growth trajectory. See, Paytm's revenue had been stagnating for the last 4 years, and actually declining for the last 3 And not surprisingly, this led people to question Paytm's ability to grow in the future. They wondered what kind of ROI they were going to see if Paytm's stagnation continued post the IPO. And of course, anybody who was on the fence about this had further incentive not to invest thanks to the hefty price tag of Paytm stock, a number that Madhur Diora was excited about, but investors less so. Ushnir Grover, one of the co-founders of Bharatpay, explained the situation aptly. I used to tell investors that there's going to be two markets, pre-PayTM and post-PayTM, because post-PayTM is going to tank and that is exactly what has happened. The reason is quite simple, you have mispriced your IPO. Now, if we take a closer look at PayTM's IPO, we'll see something really interesting. The ratio of primary shares to secondary shares. Let me explain. Paytm raised a total of 18,300 crore rupees during their IPO, and 8,300 crore rupees of this was primary shares, meaning that these were first-hand brand new shares issued by the company. But then, the remaining 10,000 crore rupees were secondary shares. This means that these shares had already been owned by somebody else. In other words, more than half of Paytm's IPO shares were essentially created by Paytm's old investors jumping ship. And yes, this did make room on the ship, but many of the prospective investors who were supposed to climb aboard started wondering why so many old investors didn't want to hold onto stock in Paytm. Maybe the ship was going down. And then one other key variable here was Paytm's ownership and specifically the nationality of some of PTM's key stakeholders and what that represented. See, Paytm had raised a lot of money from Chinese investors. Alibaba and Ant Group owned 6.8% and 27.9% of Paytm, respectively, before the IPO. And Ant Group specifically was selling shares worth 5,000 crore rupees. That's half of all of the secondary shares that Paytm was selling to the public. And again, here's what Ashneer Grover had to say about all of this. You did an 18,300 crore rupee IPO, out of which 55% was secondary. You did a price optimization. It's the Chinese investors who sold their shares through this IPO. You disrupted the Indian market to return Chinese investors money. Now, one alternative perspective here is that Paytm was trying to regain their Indianness. They were giving Chinese investors an opportunity to exit because they didn't want them to be a part of Paytm anymore. Ultimately, this is a matter of optics, it really depends on how you look at it, but now let's move on and talk about Paytm's actual business. The first problem, and I mentioned this earlier, was the stagnation of Paytm's revenue. The day Paytm's stock was going to be listed on the stock markets, the 18th of November of 2021, Macquarie Research put out a report rating Paytm as an underperformer. They said that Paytm's business model lacks focus and direction. And the title of the report was pretty damning too, too many fingers in too many pies. This statement in the report explains the reasoning behind that title. Dabbling in multiple business lines inhibits Paytm from being a category leader in any business except wallets, which are becoming inconsequential with the meteoric rise in UPI payments. Now, this is an interesting segue because UPI was devastating for Paytm's business. They made a lot of their money off of their wallets, which they launched in 2014. Users would deposit money into their Paytm wallet and spend it on the Paytm app. And Paytm took commissions for transactions whenever you used your Paytm wallet to pay your bills or book tickets. And when you weren't spending your Paytm wallet money, Paytm was earning interest from it too. The real-world money that you stored in your Paytm wallet was actually making Paytm passive revenue. Then, demonetization happened in November of 2016, and Paytm was all set up to capitalize on this event. Their user base went from 125 million to 185 million in three months. And by the end of November of 2017, a year after demonetization, they had 280 million people on their platform. Things were going great for Paytm, But what they failed to realize, or perhaps chose not to acknowledge, was how precarious their wallet business was. All it would take was an alternative that didn't require the additional step of setting up and putting money into a wallet, and Paytm would become obsolete. And that's exactly what happened. UPI allowed users to transact without wallets. People could pay directly from their bank accounts using QR codes and UPI IDs. Suddenly, a huge part of Paytm's business was wiped out, and while they have since conceded and joined the UPI, UPI market, competing with the likes of Google Pay and Phone Pay. they also had to start finding new ways to make money. And this is something that they've struggled with, it's why they've had so many fingers in so many pies ever since UPI was launched. But how do you actually do that? How do you launch new business lines after your core business becomes obsolete? Well, Paytm was actually set up pretty nicely for this, they had access to more than 300 million users and attempted to launch multiple services in order to make use of this user base. Take for example, Paytm Mall, which is something that they launched in 2017 in an attempt to compete with the likes of Flipkart and Amazon in India's e-commerce space. And to make headway in this already established market, Paytm thought that they might be able to accelerate adoption by using the same technique that they did with their digital payments business, cashbacks. And this did work for a while. By the end of the financial year of 2019, Paytm Mall was bringing in about 900 rupees in revenue. But, of course, this revenue came at a cost. See, they'd recently raised close to $800 million, and they were spending a huge chunk of this on discounts and cashbacks. But as soon as these offers stopped, customers lost interest and returned to their preferred e-commerce platforms, Flipkart and Amazon. Once Paytm Mall made the decision to stop offering discounts and cashbacks, more than 90% of their customers disappeared. Their user base dropped from 45.5 million to just 5.5 million. And today in 2022, nobody is really talking about Paytm Mall anymore. They're not considered a serious player. Now, it is worth noting here that things haven't been all bad for Paytm since UPI showed up. Yes, they are into a lot of loss-making businesses, but Paytm Payments Bank is one venture that has been consistently profitable and growing for the last three years. In the financial year of 2021, Paytm Payments Bank brought in 2,200 crore rupees in revenue, and profit-after-tax of 37.5 crore rupees. Also, in May of this year, 2022, Paytm Payments Bank will have completed 5 years of operations, and will be eligible to apply for a small finance bank license. This would enable them to leverage their huge merchant base and get into the lending business. Or, at least, that's their plan. See, Macquarie thinks that Paytm's Chinese connection might make it difficult for Paytm to get that small finance bank license. Their Chinese investors, Alibaba and Ant Group, still own 31% of Paytm. And specifically, when it comes to Paytm Payments Bank, they own 15%. And this is a huge cause for concern for the RBI. Just last month, in March of 2022, the RBI stopped Paytm Payments Bank from onboarding new customers, telling them that they first needed to conduct an IT audit of their systems. The reason for this given by the RBI wasn't very descriptive, all they said was that this action is based on certain material supervisory concerns observed in the bank. On the day that this news came out, Paytm's stock fell 14%, and later, a report by Bloomberg said that the RBI had punished Paytm Payments Bank for sharing the data of its customers with their Chinese investors. Paytm Payments Bank, of course, called this report completely false and simply sensationalizing, but Paytm is a public company, so these kinds of reports have a major impact irrespective of whether or not they're true. Paytm still doesn't have a clear game plan. They're still trying to figure out how to turn their massive user base into paying customers. They've diversified into consumer lending, gaming, e-commerce, online wealth management and insurance, but to investors, these don't look like strategic initiatives, they look like Paytm throwing things at the wall to see what sticks. In other words, investors smell desperation. According to that Macquarie report, Paytm still spends around two thousand six hundred and thirteen 2613 rupees to acquire every new customer and they only end up earning around 556 rupees from these customers. That's lifetime customer value. They're spending more than 4x what they're earning from their customers, and it doesn't look like they know how to fix this problem either. So, it's going to be really interesting to see the journey of Paytm going forward. Currently, they're doing damage control, and Vijay Shikhar Sharma recently came out and said that Paytm is going to be operationally profitable by September of 2023. He's also trying to give confidence to Paytm's investors by assuring them that his shares will only Vest once the stock price of Paytm exceeds the company's IPO price. And this announcement saw quite a bit of enthusiasm in the market, and the share price of the company has been going up ever since. Of course, there's a long way to go between now and September of 2023 and so Paytm is going to need to come up with a strategic plan to show investors how they're going to turn their existing user base into revenue and eventually profits. This is the key to Paytm's success moving ahead and if they're able to do this, if they're actually able to become profitable in the near future and ideally if they're able to actually innovate and come up with something that people are excited about the same way that people were excited about their wallets back before UPI, then I think that Paytm will come out on top of all of this. What do you guys think of all of this? How is Paytm going to turn things around? If you were Vijay Shekhar Sharma, what would your strategy be? Let me know what your thoughts are in a comment down below and thank you guys so much for watching this episode of Backstage with Millionaires. I'll see you in the next one.